Hello and welcome to the Raise the Amen Show and I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. Super Tuesday. <laughs> you knew it was coming because you know how we do it. What up, Chatham? What up, everybody out there who's listening with us right now on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia, as well as on our streaming apps and all of our archive locations, Spotify, iTunes, at theraisingmenshow.com. Excited. This is actually the broadcast after after the holiday, after Valentine's Day. So a lot of you are still kind of feeling the, the pangs of love and all the fanciness. It's what you went through, what you did and what you didn't do, the things that you were excited about, and maybe some of the things that you even weren't excited about, about Valentine's. So we're going to spend some time dealing with that and exploring the topic of Valentine's Day and where did it come from, how did it get started, and did it go from there? Topic for today is, what's love? Yeah, that's what we talk about. You know, when I started to prepare for this message today, I started thinking, you know, well, how many songs ever written because you know I love songs because I really really started thinking about you know Tina Turner and what's love got to do with it and all kind of good stuff to go with that I thought no I don't want to pick one song and then I started getting you know feeling some kind of way and I was listening to a Kurt Franklin song and it talks about how we were so unworthy and talking for God's love and and dealing with that version of love and really beginning to deal with how how that impacted our lives and how it does impact our lives as we move forward from day to day. So we're not going to play a song. And, you know, maybe we'll play a song at the end. I have to talk to Pastor Larry, see maybe we can slip something in there for him at the end of the broadcast. That would be really awesome. But to answer the question, how many songs, how, how many songs have ever been written? And there's no really, no real way to know how many songs were written because there was no real no tabulating service. Nobody was really keeping those kind of meticulous records, you know, since the beginning of time. Because so we figure Adam and Eve, they probably wrote something to each other, you know. May not have been charting, you know, like we chart nowadays, especially after they got clothes on. You know, their songs were probably a little bit different than they were initially uh, before when God first created them and put them in the garden. So, and that first Valentine's Day, I wonder, you know, wonder if that actually took place before they ate Valentine's dinner or after or Hey, you know, maybe that was Valentine's dinner. They had a little apple pie out of the mold and little, uh, oh, I know. They said we weren't really sure if it was an apple or was it nah, was it a pomegranate, what it, what it was. But whatever it was, that dinner that day won't be one that we'll not soon ever forget. But according to, um, uh, what is this one? Oh, Grace Note. It's a great site that keeps a track of music and records and things like that. And they believe that there's well over 79 million songs love songs that have been written since uh, 2011. So you figure that's even nine years ago. There's still a lot of songs that have been written since, you know, 2011 to today. So over 79 million songs just written about the topic. And I thought, well, wow, that's a lot of love, you know, and I thought, well, where does it go back and where do they start kind of keeping those records? And in that research, uh, Grace Notes talks about records being kept about songs being published since about 1866 to this day. So according to Grace Note, from 1866 to 2011, there's been over 79 million songs written about the topic and the subject of love. And I'm like, that's kind of crazy when you really look and think about it because we're all in, in, in love and it, we all kind of feel some kind of way right about this season of the year. You know, when we start talking, about, oh, Valentine's Day, can I get a date? Can I pull one? Can, can I be with that one? Can I, can I get with that one? Just, I'm tired of being that one. And 
I don't want to be that one again. And so here we are with those songs and, and a love song come on. And I know a lot of us, we kind of hear our favorite song that makes us think about that one that was so special to the one that was special to that special nature that it was special to. And it kind of makes us recall a memory. One of my DJ uh, mentors, uh, Larry Thompson, preacher man, as we call him on the West Coast affectionately, you know, we, he always used to tell me, you know, he says, Craig, you know, when you make, when you DJ and when you're out there doing your thing, when you're out there spinning, whenever you're with that kind of moment, music either creates a memory or recalls a memory. And I'm sure in this time of the year, this time of the season, when we talk about love, there's always, you know, special thoughts and feelings that start to come up when you hear your favorite love song. And with Valentine's Day just having passed, I started thinking, you know, what is Valentine's Day all about? What are, you know, I, I hate to think of it being just this little, you know, naked Cupid thing running around with an arrow and trying to, trying to hit you with a, a love potion, so to speak. So according to Encyclopedia Britannica, Valentine's Day actually was also called St. Valentine's Day, being a holiday, of course, on February the 14th. It was a time when, when lovers were known to express their affection with greetings and gifts. The holiday has its origins in the Roman festival of Lupercalia, so the leprechauns and things like that's where that's where it's coming from. And it was always held in mid-February. The festival um, was, which was celebrated in the spring, and it included fertility rites and pairing of men and women by lottery. And at the end of the 5th century, Pope Gelasius I replaced the Lupercalia St. Valentine uh, holiday festival with St. Valentine's Day. And it has become a celebration, as we know it, for romance from about the 14th century to this very day. And I started thinking, wow, if we really thought about what that was really all about, fertility rights and, and, and just different things, dealing with leprechauns and just the other, I don't want to say pagan types of things, so let's not get, let's not go there, but other non-Christian things in, in terms of we've taken a holiday and really kind of run with it and kind of made it something special. Then I started kind of wondering, well, what are we doing with love, you know, and where we are with love and where we are with just that whole topic is a lot of us have either are in love, want to be in love, have been in love, are in love, loving, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I really needed to know what that looked like and what's love in because that's what the topic is. What's love? And because, and when, you, when we, when we, when we're dealing with the topic of love, there's so often that we think about a real basic two different types of love. And it's that's a real sexual type of passionate, red hot love where you just want to be with the one that you want to be with when you want to be with them because you want to be there. And that's not, the main type of love, but that's the main one that we're always thinking about, especially on Valentine's Day. We used to think about, oh, if I got that gift just right, and if I got the smell on just right, and if I got my look on just right, and that pose I'm trying to make, and it makes the cars washed, and I get that girl to go with me, and you know, at the end of the night, I can have that red hot passion, you know, make sure that the Valentine's Day came out all right, and make sure it was exactly what I, well, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. I even wanted to find out what the average amount of money that was spent per person. Just in 2020, the stats are saying right now that 
2020, we're actually up about 32% from last year. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a huge upswing. So on the average, people have spent $196 per person. I mean, that's on the female side and the men's side on the gift and the, and the whole evening, the outing itself. And sometimes it's clothing, sometimes it's the food, the gift giving, the exchange itself. But again, that's on the average. So some people have spent a lot more and some people have spent a lot less and some folks didn't spend any. But that's okay because it is what it is. The 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 benefit here is really, really need to understand is that what are we really doing with the concept and are we really spending a lot of time overemphasizing one part, one aspect of love over the other? And I'm think, and I spent time with the Lord. I'm like, okay, God, what are we, what are we really doing here with love? And I, I, I mean, I've been married and I've been single for you know a number of years. It's seven years now that I've been single. And, and what? Well, that's not true. So I have to, I have to correct the word. According to the government, to the government, I'm not single. If you're a widower, you're not single. If you have lost a spouse, you are considered a widower. If you're a man and a widowed or a widow, if you are a woman. And if you put if you put down on a piece of paper that you are single or check the wrong box, that is considered to be an error, and you've been fraudulent on your documentation. So, don't be a fraud if you've been if your spouse has died. You've got to tell the truth. You are either a widow or a widower. I still found that odd because, yes, we are single. There's only one of us remaining, but they they tack this big albatross-like label on the top of us. But anyway, I digressed too much into that. Let's let's talk about love and what types of love that is. What types of love are out there? According to social behavioral sciences and and anywhere from C.S. Lewis to Sigmund Freud, there are seven types of love in the world. And I thought seven. That's and I thought that was a lot. And I'm just going to list what they believe the seven is, and then we're going to. I believe I'm going to list what the what the specialists have said are the different types of love. And then we're going to get into what the Bible actually speaks about on those topics of love, and we'll go from there. So love, one of the first type is eros. And of course, that's the sexual kind of love. And then there's um, philia, and that's supposed to be a family-like type of love. And then there's storge, and then it's that's more of a, a family romantic relationship type of love. Um, I'm sorry, storge is, is more of a family uh, type of love. And we're going to get into these you know, one at a time. So I'm just going to list them here. So there's agape, and then there's ludus, pragma, fallacia, or fallatio, fallatio, that's kind of where this word comes from. And that is the last one. And then there's also self-love as well, if, if you're really into that. We'll, we'll get into that as we go along. So when we talk about love, the most popular one that we've dealt with a lot is eros. Because like, so I started off with Eros being that sexual passionate love, that the type most known to be revolving around romance and sex and and just being around just two people in a in a in a marriage in a situation in a in a dating arrangement in any not even in modern days it's not even something that's committed. So for those who are getting eros right, eros is a committed relationship. So if you're in a relationship that's committed with someone and you're you're in this red hot passionate relationship or if you're dealing with your passion in your relationship, that is an aerospace relationship. If you're according to C.S. Lewis now, C.S. Lewis spent a lot of time defining love 
in, uh, he's got a great book. I have to give you the title of that book as we go along. I'll give it to you in the, in the next segment. But in C.S. Lewis's account of, of love and writing about love, he mentions that there's only two different types of love mentioned in the Bible, specifically as the words. And I was when he when he when I read that I was like, "Come on, now, he just blew my mind." I just I just learned that there were seven different types of love, seven different categories of love, seven different buckets that my love would fit in, in and out across the course of you know my lifetime, or let alone a day. And so we'll find out where we are. But for there only to be two specifically called out in the Bible, the first one is eros. I'm sorry. The first one is agape. Okay, that one was brought up in the in the New Testament, and that one, of course, came about after Jesus came about. As after he was in the middle of his ministry, then the, the term agape came, and so then the other one was phileo, and and that dealt with a family based love. And we're going to get that into more detail here in a second. So, for there only to be two words used to specifically call it love, being Agape, meaning the, the love we have for Christ, and then phileo being the, the word used for loved for a family, that in itself was mind-blowing. But when you really deal, as we're going to get back to eros here in a second, is because the term eros and the feelings around eros and the ex- examples of what were an eros-based, passionate, committed love affair were, were listed in the Bible in several different instances, according to C.S. Lewis and, and the other writers. And so, one of the examples that C.S. Lewis gives um, about a romantic relationship, and, and again, there's many, so don't just use this as the only example. So I'm not trying to say this is the only thing. So one of the good examples is, is Boaz and Ruth, because that was a passionate relationship. And we already would know that um, what Ruth did, and she was you know, with her aunt, and she just kind of stayed with her, and she was getting older and sick, and, and Ruth and her aunt found her, themselves out grazing through and kind of picking the scraps out of Boaz's field. And so Boaz, you know, told the younger man, look, don't bother her, let her be. And, and, and actually began to put extra leftovers, extra scraps, extra things out there for Ruth until, because, you know, he kind of was fond of her as he grew in a love affair or he fell in love with her. Again, the word Eros is not used in this passage. When C.S. Lewis continues to give another example, um, with Jacob and Rachel, we know that Jacob loved Rachel, and in there, that term love, there wasn't the Eros love. It described how he loved her. Going on again, when you deal with Samson and Delilah, how Samson fell in love with Delilah. Again, that fell in love is a, is a term, is a phrase. It wasn't the word Eros used. It was something to describe the passion, the lustful desire, the obsession that sometimes even comes with the dishonorable conduct. Examples of dishonorable conduct in the Bible were Tamar and and Samuel. Well, in First Samuel deals with Tamar, and she was very lustful. When we're continuing to think about just the idea of love, passionate, this kind of love, we have to make sure we understand exactly where we are. And, and as we're going to go on through the study today, we're going to have to spend a lot of time understanding our relationships. And that's why I want to spend a lot of time going through them and, and spending some time explaining as to what they were so we don't have to be questioning where we are. Because in the English language, English is so flat. We don't get a chance to get a feeling for what the words that we're actually saying. It's all about the action. So one action we're going to take right now is we're going to go to break and then we're going to come right back to the Raising Men Show. And again, I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. And we're dealing with the topic of What's love? We'll be right back. 
Who you hire as your realtor matters. You need a realtor who looks out for your best interests and not their own. Marie Clark with Allison James Estates is a full-time realtor, specializing in helping first-time homebuyers in Temecula and the surrounding areas. She is also a ministry leader. Today, why don't you choose Marie Clark to buy or sell your next home? Please call 951 265 This is Craig Carlisle, the host of The Raising Men Show, and I'm also an executive producer of the independent feature film Restored Me. It's a powerful, feel-good dramedy that centers around a young man trying to restore his relationship with his young daughter and her mother after his wrongful incarceration. This film speaks to restoring your faith and pushes a bold message of positivity and motivation. The cast includes Gary Owen, Bill Duke, Will Young Lee, Matt Gerald, Richard T. Jones, Malik Yovo, Yancey Arias, and both Casper Smart, just to name a few. Restore Me is available on over 100 digital markets, including iTunes, Amazon, and on demand from your local cable provider. Buy it, rent it, either way, I'm asking you to watch it. It'll bless your life. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlisle, on WKBY 1080 AM. And we're right back here. And again, I hope you enjoyed the Racing Men Show. This is an odd topic today. We're talking about what's love. And it's not the traditional message we're talking about, you know, love and passion and, you know, red hot this or that. And, you know, let the children go kind of be somewhere in the room when we talk about the concept and the topic of love. But no, we're dealing with what love is and, and how and how many different types of love we have and are experiencing or able to experience. And then we're also talking about what the Bible says about love. So we can really kind of put the word behind it so we really understand and get an understanding for ourselves what love is and where we are with love throughout the course of our day or course of our life, it, it, depending on where we find ourselves. We were just finishing in the last segment dealing with Eros, and we were just dealing with some examples that C.S. Lewis was giving about examples of love, a romantic love, committed love in the Bible. And again, there's so many, so many examples in the Bible, which is C.S. Lewis was just hitting on those few. And of course, I mean, you can read Songs of Solomon all you want, all day long, and so much of that is passion, talking about what he did and the things he was exploring, trying to look for wisdom and things like that. But so often... That's what captivates our mind is that primal, raw passion. The, the, I've even, in the research, I've even found that Eros, the passionate love, is our, our natural body's desire to express the fact that, it, that we love you or to say I love you. And that in itself is, is tough to deal with because when you're dealing in relationships with people who want to be in a relationship with you or not, and you find yourself in different places with love, you're going to find as we go through this, like me, that a lot of these different love versions can find yourself conflicted. And, and one person could be in one version of love towards you, and, and you could be in another version of love towards them, and, and vice versa. So it's it's kind of tough to under, always understand the version of love that you're in at that time. So that's why I wanted to make sure we took the time and went a little slower this time in going through love. Because I know some people think, oh, there's only a couple different types of love, and we're going to go from there. But again, like we said at the top of the hour, that According to social behavioral sciences, coupled with what the Bible says, there's like up to seven different versions of love. <clears throat> but the Bible only speaks about there being two specifically called out and targeted as words. One was agape, again, founding in, found in for the first time only in this New Testament. And the word phileia, or phileo, is, is, is being def, uh, conjugated in the Greek and the Hebrew. 
And that phileo is what we're going to deal with right next, which is the hallmark of friendship or shared goodwill. And it deals a lot with, um, you could even spend a lot of time dealing with Aristotle and Plato and what they were dealing with, with love as a friendship, love as a, you know, as a kind thing to do amongst friends. But in the Bible, C.S. Lewis deals, deals a lot more with, with that Greek word, Phileo or love. Again, phileo is one of the two times it was actually listed in the Bible, and it's often called brotherly love. And I know in the Bible we've had the story when Jesus asks, Do you love me? And if you look at the Greek works there, how it, Jesus asked specifically, Do you love me like you love my father? And the answer was, Of course, Jesus, you know I love you. But you already know how that went. You knew, you knew that Jesus already knew what the answer truly was in his heart. So he asked again just to give him another chance. Do you love me? And again, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, I love you. I love you. I get I, I, I got you. I love you. But that second time he asked him, do you, do you at least kind of have a family, family type of love for me? The third time Jesus asked. Do you at least love me like a friend? And I know the third time there was some frustration in the answer. Because when when we're reading the account of just that example in the Bible, just that situation, just that exchange between Jesus and the disciple, it wasn't translated in English. We just looked at it and said, well, Jesus asked him, Peter, three times, do you love me? Well, that's kind of stupid. Why would you ask them three different times? So you have to spend some time understanding and reading the scripture and finding out what was the word used. Do you agape love me? Do you love me like you love my father? Same spiritual, deep love, pure. Do you love me like you would love your friend, your family member? And do you just have a common love for me? Which is really tough because as you're kind of taking, as Jesus is kind of bringing himself down a rung, it's a real tough thing to realize that, we, that realize what love we do we really have for Jesus? What love do we really have for ourselves? So again, even when dealing with C.S. Lewis's account of Philae in the Bible, this is a friendship love, a brotherly love, something you'd have between two non-related people. And even, and even well, well, I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead. So the third version Again, this version, this Greek word storge, is not mentioned in the Bible specifically, but the examples of storge are in the Bible. So storge is um, is an example of a familial affection, family, family-based affection, parents to child specifically. One of the examples that uh, C.S. Lewis uses is uh, Isaiah 49.15, where which is God talking to Israel, says, Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack the compassion of her son in her womb? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Another example that C.S. Lewis uses to, to express and describe what storge is, that kind of family-based parent-to-child, child, you know, sibling-to-sibling type of love, is, is Psalms 27.10, when the psalmist says, Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Okay, last one we'll give. In Exodus 4.22, God says, Israel is my firstborn son. These are examples of, of what 
a familial love looks like in the Bible. Again, in neither of those accounts, in no account listed in the Bible, is the word storge actually present in the Bible, but its words are used to describe the definition and define what storge actually is. The word storge was already present in in the Greek and the Hebrew language, but it was just not specifically used in these passages, or at all actually throughout the Bible. We're going to the fourth version, agape. Of course, this is this is the spiritual love. This is the one that we deal with the love of God, God's pure and perfect love, unadulterated. There's no eros there, so there's no sexual passion there. There's no familial uh, connotation with it. There's nothing. There's, there's just purity in its perfect form. And we hear, you know, people always like to say, you know, perfect love casts all, out all sin. I get it. This is where agape is actually would be listed. Um, again, it doesn't appear, though, until the New Testament. Okay, but this is, there are points, though, when it was actually defined as agape love and what it was actually used. But the actual term, the word itself appears in the New Testament. We're going to go also to the fifth different time. Now, now, okay, these next couple of ones are going to be dealing with a lot of sociologists and psychologists are using um, a lot of Plato and Aristotle dealing with what love is. So version five is Ludus. Ludus is a playful or uncommitted love. So those you know, of us who may be in relationships that are uncommitted, but you, you, you want to be, be teasing, you want to kind of dance a little bit more overt flirting and trying to kind of just seduce someone. Kind of around the whole Valentine's philosophy as well, but this is a relationship that's really not based on anything tangible. It's not a committed relationship. So again, the difference, let's make sure we get the differences. The difference between Eros and Ludos is that Eros is a committed. Both partners are excited and committed to each other in that love relationship versus Ludus, it's L-U-D-U-S. It's a purely uncommitted love between two, okay? The sixth version Again, this is a social behavioral science, Plato-Aristotle version of what love is being defined as, pragma. This is a relationship where, where, where the thought of sexual attraction takes a back seat. It's just when people are actually beginning to see and spend time together because of a mutual reason or duty. This is something that was always, you know, put together during arranged marriages back in the early, early centuries. And it, it's somewhat widespread when you're dealing with uh putting people together for political reasons or for uh, trying to bring together kingdoms and philosophies and securing mergers of deals. Even in some cases now, there's some celebrities that are that I have <laughs> unfortunately have known about with, that are in relationships that be become great for their fans, great for their followers, and great for their look, whether they're filming together or whatever, it's great to put these two people, like you're casting a relationship. That's a pragma relationship. It's a People in those types of relationships have a tendency to even kind of turn a blind eye to what the others are doing because there's not necessarily any sexual attraction between the two. There's a, there's more of shared goals. Um, you kind of like a person's personality or qualities or capabilities, or you're trying to because you're just really just trying to make this work. You're just trying to push it to the next level for some reason that was shared. Um, you can even get into this one, you, you know, even with people professing to be of different orientations would, would opposite orientations, um, would get together just for the sake of keeping people at bay, keeping the other people from thinking that they're some kind of way. That's a relationship of pragma where you're just kind of staying in it for the sake of the view and the impression. 
Now, the last one is a philosophy. This is a self-love. I'm, I'm probably butchering that word. So those who are much you know, well-versed in wording than me, I couldn't find the proper enunciation of this one, so we're going to spell it. P-H-I-L-I-U-T-I-A. That's why I pronounce it philosophy with an A-U in there. And it's a self-love. Now, it could be the socio-behavioral science. People say that self-love could be healthy or unhealthy. It really just depends on where we are and where you are in dealing with your self-love, dealing with your own self-esteem and, and finding out how you as a person are, are showing yourself strong or weak to not just the public, but to yourself. And, and how do we really think of ourselves in an emotional sense, in a cognitive sense, and just the overall how do I look at my, how do I think of myself when I look in the mirror? Am I excited about what I see, or am I not excited about what I see? These relationships need to be strong, so we need to have a positive self-esteem. We need to be very, you know, I don't know, I'm excited about who we are as a person. And if we're not, that's where you get a lot of people committing suicide based on their self-esteem and based on how many, you know, how many they allow other people to shape who they are as a person likes, followers, you know, teenagers, millennials right now are, are, are sometimes their self-esteem is really shaken or broken based on what other people view them. As we get older in life, does it really matter? Then you get with people get into depression, fights about the depression, dealing with how they are. Um, had an opportunity to work with a, with a person not too long ago and they began to share and ask me, how do you, how did you become better? How did you become How'd you get yourself out of that funk that you were in dealing with the death of your wife? And I was like, well, I'm still dealing with it. So, I mean, no one's perfect. and We have issues from day to day. But what I had to make the choice was, as I was sharing with her, is that I had to choose. I had to choose how I wanted to live. And did I want to stay in this sucky mindset or sucky place all the time? And I know I didn't want to. So that's when I, the Lord had given me the Raising Men show to really be a platform, a lighthouse, and a beacon for other men who were feeling some kind of way about themselves at the loss of a wife or just the loss of anything and trying to get better, become better men, better husbands, better fathers. And that's why we're here. So again, we're going to take another break and we're going to come right back. And then we're going to talk about the different areas of love and how we can slide between each across the course of a day or a conversation. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlo, on WKBY 1080 AM. 
All right, we're in segment three. So we're going to turn it a little a little sooner this time. We're going to definitely begin to deal with, you know, some application and some keys. We've, we've dealt with some pretty heavy stuff on the front end. And I don't, in, in teachings that I usually do on the show, we don't do a lot of, don't do a lot of that heavy weight and heavy lifting right off the bat. But I really felt that we really got deep quick and I don't want to lose anyone. So feel free, please. I'll be, I'll be posting these different versions of love on the website. I will be, you know, putting these out on social media regularly this week, but I'll probably put them all out and we'll probably circle back on some of them so we can really take some time in digging in these. And I really need you to encourage you to, to get after it yourself and look at these because we've talked about these different versions of love. Seven, to be exact, dealing across with social behavioral science philosophy. And again, the, from a pure biblical standpoint, so those of you who are more hardliners, those of you who are more religious-based, there's there's four probably in your category, right? Only four because it's all the Bible references, but only two that are specifically specifically called out. So remember, those two that were specifically called out is agape and phileo. So, and, and it's phileo or phileo, depending on the conjugation, how the word is used in the Greek or the Hebrew at that time, at that moment when it was when it was written, based on the the background, the the backdrop of the story. So let's talk about it. Bible's calling out agape, the perfect love. The Bible talks about phileo, which is that familial kind of friendly love. The Bible doesn't speak specifically by name, storge, but it does give the examples of a family-based father-to-child, mother-to-child kind of relationship and love. They're examples of those things. And then the last one being eros, that, that the real sexual passionate love. When we deal with people and deal with ourselves, just, just, so let's just talk real now. So we, we know what the levels are in terms of Christian and then, okay, I need to give the other ones for the social behavioral science side of it. We dealt with... Um, Number five was, oh, there it is, Ludus, which is the one uh, of flirting, seducing, just real non-committed. It's, it's like Eros, but without the commitment. There's pragma. There's the relationship of, of convenience or practicality or duty. And there's the self-love, philosophy. When I started dealing with our re- friendships and relationships, I started thinking about this a lot and love and coming up around Valentine's Day. And I really started to kind of feel some kind of way. And the Lord had kind of taken me back to a conversation I had had with a friend. And as I kind of played that, that conversation back in my mind, I just kind of started thinking, you know, when we are dealing and talking with people of a variety of types and a variety of places, we actually can move between these different love types throughout the course of one conversation. For example, for those of us who are married or have been married or those of us who are in relationships or have been in relationships, and I'm, I'm okay, I talk about the, the passionate, the eros type of relationship, the committed ones, and even the ones that are in the ludos ones that are, that are relationships of of mutual lust, mutual benefit, but not a committed to each other relationship. We, we start to think and pass through different versions of love just in a conversation. So I know for guys, sometimes we may wake up in the morning in an eros mood, right? And we might look at our girl and, you know, and laying next to us and be like, oh man, I, I really eros you. But you don't say that in English. You would want to say, I love you, right? Just in a practical, just matter of fact. But the actions are really what's behind your, or, or the intent that you have behind the words. But when sometimes you look at someone, you know, I love you. And we may not say with any passion behind it, I don't really know what you're talking about. 
But we may have another conversation maybe ongoing. We may talk about the death. We may talk about God during the course of our conversation. And I might think, man, I really, I really love the way he or she talks about God. That's really awesome. That's an agape love. I, I feel as if it, that God is really in this relationship. Okay, so I may have come from an Eros relationship when I dealt with the one I love that I'm committed to. And then we, can be, then we may have had a conversation about God, or we may have served together in ministry arm in arm, and, or I may have seen my wife or girlfriend on, on platform bringing a message or ministering to some girls and ministering to people or sharing her testimony. And I may say, man, my heart may burn for her, but in, a, in an agape way, it's like, wow, that's really awesome to watch them minister in that way. That's just bananas. When my when my wife was alive, I used to watch her, you know, take care of the kids and hug and care for them and nurse or just be the mom. And she was an awesome mom. And I was just I was just amazed at the fact of how she was able to have raised, you know, my oldest son. It's not, you know, he's not mine by blood, but he's mine. But just I thought that she was able to raise him as a single mom, and you know, she had help. She had a tribe and a community around her. But just to see that she had gone through that and then that she would want to get married and have more kids with some other guy than bring her son into some other man's home for him to cover in, in, in the spirit and, and minister to and raise as my own. Man, that's awesome. And that that gives that brings a storge I have about her, a, a love I have from a husband to wife. And, and as, I, as I watch the children grow as the oldest to the youngest, I, I, I have that storge or that parental love for that child. It's like, man, especially when they do something great. I start thinking, wow, that's my kid. Or our parents, you know, guys, you know, as, you, as you're as looking at your child and, you know, you've been, maybe you've been kind of frustrated with them and kind of wrestling with the problem that just not getting it. Maybe their grades suck and maybe they just, you know, don't pick up their clothes that they, like you want them to. Or maybe they just don't take the initiative to, to do what you really want them to do, what you've been trying to teach them to do for a while and it may seem like they're just not listening and that one day when they picked up their socks without being asked or went to make spaghetti noodles like tonight my 16 year old's in the kitchen making spaghetti noodles for his brothers I didn't even ask him that was a menu choice for this evening I had made the meat and the sauce earlier and it was prepared all they did was warm the sauce up and with the meat inside of it I, you know, I would have come inside and, and you know, boiled the water. It's nothing to make pasta, guys. So, you know, I'm going to probably make a recipe cookbook for some of the guys out there wondering, how did you make sauce? Okay, full, full transparency. We, we're, we're still in the, you know, in truth and transparency you know, series, even though this is not, this is a, a one-off. But I didn't make the sauce. I, Ragu made the sauce. I popped a jar, put it in. But I did brown the meat and I did season the meat. So I want to make sure everybody knows I cook, I burn really well, but I didn't make the spaghetti sauce tonight. But when I just found out my son asked me, you know, told me he was going to make the sauce, start make the pasta, I was like, there was so much storge I had for him. So much that love, that parental love I had for him because I was just so proud that he had chosen to do that without being asked. Parents, we'll take a little side note. Because I've been struggling with, with just dealing with kids. And it's, it's probably a good side note because we're talking about transitioning in and out of love. 
And sometimes, parents, we can transition right into anger quite a bit because sometimes that that passion we have inside to express our story for our kids and sometimes it's not being reciprocated or in some cases some people are trying to express an arrow for love for someone a passionate sexual love an attractive singular committed relationship for someone love for someone and they're only getting ludos back or they're getting <laughs> or they're getting philea back the friendly kind of love back and that makes you angry and so we can transition in and out of those love cycles or buckets or chambers, whatever you want to call them, and into anger quickly because things aren't going your way. During these times of feeling this storge for my kids for doing right and that I'm making food for them and want them to do well and I see them having done certain things well and I started noticing the things that weren't done. And I started being kind of feeling some kind of way about what we were doing and, and they're not respecting me. They're not showing love towards me. And I was really starting to get angry. And I, I had already told the kids in this one particular example I'm giving and leading them to is that I told the kids I wanted them to eat before we left the house yesterday. We're going to, we're getting ready to go somewhere. I needed them to eat before we left. I was going to tell them we were leaving at X time and I wanted it. Certain things cleaned, certain things handled. I gave them the goal and I gave them our departure time. The kids had not even dressed by that time. And they had like three hours to get that done. So, But there was a part of me that wanted it done right now. Like right now, right now. Because I said it right now. But I didn't say that, hey, stop what you're doing. Come do this right now. The passive aggressive side of me that I moved from Storge, the, the parental happy and joy, moved quickly into anger and wrath because the kids were disrespecting me. So that same level of, of on a hundred that I had with the Storge love love for my kids turn into rage because they're not respecting me right now. None of them moved to get up. But I remember, I talked to another couple of friends of mine. I was like, you know, I just need to calm my temper. I just, I know that the scripture came they brought back to my mind was be slow to speak. (sighs) Okay, slow to anger. So when my buddy said, hey, when that happens to you, you find yourself kind of getting wound up, about to explode. Why don't you just take a deep breath? Don't say nothing for a minute. Bite your lip until it bleeds if you have to. Even if the lip biting don't work, bite your tongue until it bleeds too. You get your attention. So you get that pain so you can really get snap yourself out of that thought that you're in from that rage as a parent. And let the scripture take place where if you train up a child in the way it should go, when they're older, they won't depart from it. Or they were old, they won't depart from it. It didn't say when old it could be you know a lot of his parents wants to be, wants it to be that next second old but it, it doesn't say when it just says exactly it just says when they're older or old so i needed to let them grow old a minute so i left the room <laughs> it took everything i could to wipe that blood that was coming down from my lip and just i had to go shower i had to go get myself together i had to with draw from the situation i had to be the adult i had to i had to diffuse the situation i had to understand that i wasn't going to get the satisfaction of being angry and blowing up that i really really wanted but i had to let the lord's plan take place i had to see what they were learning and then deal with the the consequence of them not having done properly so while i was showering getting ready to go i started all of a sudden hearing noise in the kitchen I was like, Lord, they're actually, they're actually eating. 
And I started hearing conversations. Okay, who wants this? Who's going to eat? You guys going to eat? We got, we got to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want this. I want that. And then so they, they just kind of started doing their thing. And those, of course, the high voices are the little ones because the older ones were like, yeah, I'm going to eat. Yeah, I'm going to eat this. In my house, there's a whole lot of deep, well, half deep voice, half high voice. And so I know my, my 13-year-old, if he hears this, he'll probably say, Dad, I don't have a high voice. So, okay, you got you to have a, a voice that's lowering eventually he'll have a low voice like his father but for right now he's kind of got this mixed kind of raspy kind of thing going on but when you when you anyway the, the long and short of it is as parents as we're moving between and, and even if you're not a parent you just realize in conversations that you have with people you can quickly move from one version of love to the other i had to i had to get that understanding and i needed the lord to kind of get that clarity for me because I've been accused of something I didn't I didn't care much for. I was really angry. A person had accused me of using my relationships, <clears throat> just friendships with different females as as my definite excuse to, to stay single and never get married again and not commit to anyone. I continued to have a Ludo space relationship with people because I didn't want to commit because I was getting my love relationship filled in different ways by different people at different times. And I was like, I didn't like that. I don't like when people say things like this. It's kind of categorized me in a bucket like that. I think I was more upset because of who it was and how where the, where I had placed that person in my life to be able to speak into my life, and they spoke death over me, and I didn't like that. But I had to take a step back and understand, God, what are you talking about with just love? That we have to be able to show and express the love for people and receive it, not just talk about it. We'll be right back. We're going to give some more keys or give the keys to dealing with love on the next segment. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. My name is Eric Tomlinson with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate, where we design the sale of your home around you. With our nationwide network of agents, you and your family are at the center of every decision, conversation, and step of the journey to your next home. From hello to congratulations, selling your home with the Tomlinson Group at Rancon Real Estate is designed to both learn and surpass your expectations. Call me today at 951-970-6727 so we at the Tomlinson Group can begin surpassing your expectations today. We want to work for you. How do you avoid pitfalls that will disrupt your life? My office is very good with helping families protecting assets, building wealth, college flexible plans, tax-free retirement, and so much more. I am John Treese Wells with Royal Financial Group, licensed to help million-dollar families, businesses, and everyone in between. You can contact me at 951-757-4202 or email me at jw.nofamilyleftbehind at gmail.com. I'm about your family. You're listening to The Raising Men Show with your host, my dad, Craig Carlo on WKBY 1080 AM. Hey, and we're back. Last segment. And I think I really actually gave the only key that the Lord really wants us to have for dealing with love and really being able to understand love, give love, receive love, have love, understand the love that we're in at that moment with that person that we're in relationship with. And, and when we say relationship, some people automatically jump to the, the whole Eros version, the whole committed relationship or the, the Ludos version where we're trying to flirt and, and get together with someone where we're really not committed to and just kind of be in that, that non-committed sexual based relationship. And that's, that's not all that there is to love. 
And that's why the topic of the leukemia is what's love? Love is more than just sex. Love is more than just flirt. Love is more than just, you know, I just feel passion. I want to tell you I love you or tell someone I love you and, and, and get it said back to me or, or to us in some way, whether it be now or down the road or two days from now or two minutes or yesterday. It's more than that. And I was really trying to get the Lord to, to get, help me understand this. Look, Lord, why would you only list the two words in the Bible, and I, and I get it, you know, we that the word is the Bible is the inspired word of God, not the exact word of God. I mean, because God didn't sit there and, and, and pen it out for us. Because so, we had the Ten Commandments, yes. So that was created by God. Okay, got it. That was a, a miraculous instance. Okay, but the Bible was not a miraculous instant instance. It was a it was a series of writers that were inspired by the situations and, and that they were in, inspired by God to write. And they put it together with their intellect and their their cultural, I don't say bias, or yeah, cultural experience. And it could be the heat of the day, it could have been the, the cold of the night, it doesn't matter. And that became what the scriptures are. So I'm a word guy. I, I believe in specific language. And I know that's why I love languages and, and, and dealing with the Greek and the Hebrew. And I don't get into, into Latin very often, but just the whole thought of understanding the definition behind the words. And so when I'm talking to people, I need to have just be, be clear in what you say. What did you mean by this or that? And I, I want to make sure I'm really, really clear with what I say to people because I don't, I've had too many times of being passive aggressive and being misunderstood and be frustrated about it. I want to be real clear about what I am, who I am, what I expect, what I don't expect, what I want, what I don't want, and go from there. So I was asking God, why don't you list these other versions, variations of, of love in the Bible? You just list these two. What is that? So, Bible being living word, we get the rainbow word from God. I mean, there's there's always a way that the Lord speaks to you, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So that's this that's the conduit between myself, us, and God, I believe that the Lord believes that he just wanted to show us love rather than just say what love is. And I was like, wow, that's serious because in all of the instances in the Bible where we spoke about or were told about or we read about Storge, a family, father, son, father, parent, child, love. Those were examples of what it meant. It was it had feeling behind it. It gave an example of of a nursing child and those who've women who've nursed or tried to nurse or been around a woman who's nursing. There's there's an impression of love there. There's there's such a connotation of of what kind of love a woman would have for her child, especially in that tight, tender moment when you're looking at a child that you carried in your in your stomach in your womb for nine months or less, depending on how long you were able to carry. And now you're able to hold that child close to you and provide nourishment for that child. For those who couldn't nurse, it was a bottle. For as the child got older, it was a man trying to nurse the child. And you understand that, man, that's your child. And especially in the modern in modern instance, or for me, I mean, I was excited to have had boys all the way through. So that's my boy, you know, and I got excited, especially knowing that I wasn't deserving of something like that. So I get it that the Lord wants us to understand the feeling and the connotation and the intent behind the word without having to just define it. Because when I, if I were to just say to you, I loved you, you would have no clue what I meant. 
depending on the com- depending on the backdrop of the conversation, depending on the heat of the day, if it's nighttime, if we're out to dinner, if I'm dressed up, if you're dressed up, if, I, if I'm not dressed at all, you're not dressed at all. If I were to say I love you, there's going to be a whole lot of different things going through some people's minds. And even in the context of what was meant in the intent, we need to understand that we know what type of love are we showing. What type, what type of love are we showing to God when he asks us, do you love me? Oh, can you imagine being Peter on the other end of that conversation? God, Jesus looking you in your eyeballs. I can't even imagine Jesus not necessarily being too far away from him, maybe across the table, across the room, who knows? But he, I'm sure he wasn't that far. He was in earshot. He wasn't trying to yell across the football field or Coliseum. He asked him, do you love me? Oh. Couldn't even give Jesus a straight answer. And he asked him two more times. He asked him two more times. Do you love me? In English, it was the same word three times. But in the Greek, it was a different version. It was agape. Phileo. Brotherly, kindly kind of love. I mean, seriously? We're in relationships with people that we love. Eros love. Sexual love. Does the person on the other side love you? Eros love? Or do they have Ludos love for you? As our relationships grow, if we as they grew into from an Eros love to a a Ludos, because there's moments you could have both where I'm I'm in love with you, but I don't need to be passionate about you right now. I, I'm just excited about where we are. And even from a pragma standpoint, I can move into that because I'm excited. We, we may be moving together towards a common goal so that we're building together, whether it be a business or building a family. I can be excited about where we are. I, I may look the other way at some of the things that you do because, you know what, not everybody's perfect. I get it. Now, some folks got some serious problems, some drinking and, drinking and drugs and problems, you know, womanizing and menizing. That's the problem. But there's some virgins of love that we move through as we have kids together watching how we adult and care and parent those kids we're going to have some storge love for each other and it's like man it's, it's really awesome to watch and, and see each other care for our kids in my house I don't have anybody in my house on a regular basis to watch me storge or show love of a father to a son to my kids and that's another reason why I post like I do on social media because I want my kids to be able at some point to look back and remember how I love them. How did I show that I love them? I, I, my, my kids know that there's times when I'll ask them, I'll look them in the eye, I'll get real close to them and say, how do, I, how do you know that I love you? And I didn't define the word love there, but the implication there is storge. How, do you, how did I show my love as a parent to you as my son? How did I show you so that you know? Give me examples. I didn't, and I don't just let them just say, oh, well, you love me because I know you love me. No, 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 no. You need to know beyond the shadow of knowing that I loved you. And, and, and give me the example of how that you know that you, that you know, that you know, that you know that your dad loved you, that your mom loved you. Give me examples. And I make them give me examples of what it was. It could be I woke him up in the morning or I made some food for him or I took him someplace. Well, if that's if that's what it is or you gave me a hug or, you know, you didn't shout at me or whatever, whatever it is, I need them to know and give me the examples of what my storge love as a parent to their child 
looks like. So when it comes time to them showing that same storge love to their child from their eros love that they have for their that child's mother, they need to understand what that looks like so they can then have storge love between their child and they would be able to move in and out of eros to phileo to um, everyone love with their wives. I know we talked about having, we didn't even get to the whole thought about friends having that filet of love. When you have, so quickly, when you have a real good friend, a ride or die. Yeah, I know sometimes you want that. I know guys, we want that ride or die chick, but sometimes we need those ride or die friends, our boys and our, that got our back no matter what. Sometimes we call them our brothers and that gives you that, that almost like that storge kind of relationship, familial relationship with that. I get it. We move in between of those as well, but no greater love a man have that he lay his life down for his friend. He doesn't say his brother or sister, father, mother. It's a friend. And that's love in there. That that love there is that flavor. It's that, it's that brotherly kindness. It's that, that relational love right there. We need those kind of friends in our life that would listen to the spirit, that know God, know how to get a prayer through, and that, that would call on God on your behalf and call and say, you know what? I just called to say hi. I just called to say I'm proud of you. Just call to say, I'm thinking about you. Where are you at today? Are you okay? Because sometimes we need to know that someone cares about us. Someone loves us on any one of these six scales. And we need to make sure that that seventh scale is our self-love. We need to make sure we love ourselves. Make sure that we have that high self-esteem. And if we don't, there's no harm in getting some help. So again, kind of rushing towards the end, but this is what's love. The Raising Men Show. I'm your host, Craig Carlisle. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it's been something here that uh, helps you on your day. I know it helped me. Just the study of it all helped me understand where we were and what we were going to do and where we were going to be. And I just really needed to know that. So again, you're listening to us right here on WKBY 1080 AM out of Chatham, Virginia. Hope you enjoy us even on the RaisingMenShow.com and our archive sites. If you missed an episode, check us out. WKBY 1080 AM. We keep blessing you.